Thank you, Joseph. Good morning to everybody today. Great to be together, really is, and uh, it's always wonderful for the, the family here at Sunny Slope to be together, but also it's wonderful to have visitors with us on such a regular basis, and if you're visiting with us today, we're very thankful that you're here. We pray that you will be encouraged and instructed as we study God's Word together and worship God together, and uh, you are already a blessing to us. If you have any questions about anything you see us do or hear us teach, please ask us. We keep saying we just want to be the church we all read about in the Bible. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. We want to fit that model. Also want to remind all of those who, have, uh, who are interested and those who have signed up and any others who would be interested in working with us in our Vacation Bible School coming up this summer, please uh, meet with us this evening after evening services for a short meeting just to kind of set the ground, uh, you know, groundwork to get started. And that will be, again, just a short meeting right after services this evening. This morning, as I announced, I believe Wednesday night, or maybe it was last Sunday night, I want to begin a series of lessons today, and this will be several lessons long, about the devil. And somebody might say, well, about the devil, you know. Uh, yeah, I want us to understand something about the devil. I think a lot of times we, we come to fear the devil, or at least a lot of people do. What, what's he going to do to us? If we are students of the scriptures, we read about demonic possession in, Old Test or in, in, in New Testament times. But uh, I think that was something that we understood for a period of time, and God used to help us understand that, that Jesus came to deliver us from all that the devil tries to, to do against us. So the devil's worst day. Now, the devil is our mortal enemy. There's no question about that. He is out every day for our eternal destruction. God has made us different as humankind in that he has instilled within us a soul, a spiritual being, a spiritual identity in addition to our physical being, our physical identity. We look around and we see when we see one another, we may say, oh, there's Joe, or there's Mary, or there's Susie, or there's Bob over there. And we're looking at the physical person, but when we get to know each other, we come to recognize there is a deeper reality, a deeper identity, and that it's attached to our soul. Who are we when, as far as morality is concerned? Who are we from a spiritual perspective? What kind of a person are we when it comes to our values and our thoughts and our, our goodness? Well, that's all from God. Nothing else that he created has that ability or that inner quality, that inner being that we call a soul. But the devil's always out there trying to pull us away from God, away from righteousness and into sin. And thereby, his ultimate goal is to lead us to eternal condemnation in hell. In 1 Peter chapter 5, beginning with verse 8, the apostle Peter wrote, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, your enemy, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith. Now we understand that if we walked outside one day of our, of our home and there was a lion, a wild lion, roaming the street right in front of our house, we'd go back inside. We get on the phone call on the phone, and we'd start calling the authorities. There is a wild lion walking around right in front of my house, and they would come and take care of that lion, wouldn't they? 
Because we wouldn't go up and try to pet the lion. We wouldn't try to go on walking to our car or walking down the street for a morning walk in the, in the sun because we understand that's danger. He's going to, if, if we're not careful, he's going to leap on us and he's going to tear us to pieces and start eating our physical bodies. Now that's a gross kind of imagery, but Peter's trying to get across there how much of an enemy the devil is for us. There's nothing cute about him, nothing nice. He wants our eternal destruction, the destruction of our soul. He wants to pull us away from God by leading us into sin. Now we need to be careful to not let the devil have any room in our lives because that's ultimately how he does his work. Now, in, in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 27, the Apostle Paul says, nor give place to the devil. In other words, do not let the devil have any place in your life. And we go a little bit further in, in James chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. James says, therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So we can resist the devil effectively and consistently and victoriously and ultimately looking toward eternal victory in heaven and eternal hope with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We can defeat the devil by God's power, God's work, God's help because God has said, I'll be there with you. If you'll walk with me, I'll be with you. If you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. And there's no room in the life of an individual who is walking faithfully with God to also be walking with the devil at the same time. So resist the devil, he will flee from you. But a lot of people, we, they fear. I don't know if I can do it. I don't, I'm, I'm afraid of what the devil might be doing in my life right now. Well, for the faithful, dedicated Christian, obedient Christian, the apostle Paul wrote in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So we don't have to fear the devil if we're walking with God. <clears throat> now, as I said, the devil is real. He is our mortal enemy. He seeks our eternal condemnation. But the devil's had some really bad days in his existence. Some really bad days. And I doubt that a whole lot of people stop and think about that particular fact. They think he's powerful out there. Well, we got to be always I need to be on guard. I don't know what he might do to me. I don't maybe he's already had me. I've even had people, you know, talk to me about how they did they 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 feared that they could not be forgiven because of all the bad things they have done in their life. But the devil has had some really bad days and a bunch of them. And so in this particular series, we're gonna be studying about that. The apostle, <clears throat> the apostle John wrote in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 10, in this the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest or made apparent. We can distinguish between those who are walking with God and those who are following the lead of the devil in sinfulness. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. <clears throat> Now, there are a whole lot of people who think that somehow they can walk with God and be right with God while they're living lifestyles of outright sinfulness. And that will not work. That is a no, no, uh-uh, not going to happen. 
You have to make up your mind. Am I going to walk with God according to his teachings, or am I going to let the devil have his way with me? The devil cannot overpower me against my will. He can only, he can only guide me if I'll let him guide me in sin. In Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 and 11, <coughs> excuse me, the apostle Paul wrote, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, Put on the whole armor of God that, he may be, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And the understanding there is that God has provided us a whole suit of spiritual armor. And he begins to lay that out for us implement by implement as in the verses that follow. And, and Paul says, hey, you wear this every day. You prepare yourself to do battle with the devil every day, walking with God in faithfulness, and you'll be victorious. You'll be victorious. And John chapter 14 and verse 23, our Lord said, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Now think about what that says. God the father, God the son, they say, you walk with me in faithful obedience consistently according to my teachings, we'll make our home with you. Now, however you understand that, it's, it's personal, and, and we're to understand that God will be with us, Jesus will be with us. And I can, think we can understand, by implication, the Holy Spirit will be with us. In Ephesians chapter 1, beginning with verse 13, the Apostle Paul wrote, In him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance, until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. So here in these two texts of scripture, Jesus first says, you walk with, my, you walk with me, you walk with my Father in heaven, faithful obedience will make our home with you. And here the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, that if we are living in faithful obedience as Christians, then the Holy Spirit's there with us as well. Well, so look at what John, he kind of summarizes the, the implication of these two passages of Scripture in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 4. And he says, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. God is greater. God is greater than all. God is greater than the devil. Now, while the devil is powerful, we need not fear as long as we walk with God. Isaiah 41 and verse 10, fear not, God says, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So again, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. 2 Timothy 1 verse 7. So when we think about, and people think, well, boy, the devil, we, gotta be, we do have to be careful. But what I want to emphasize in this series of studies over the next number of weeks, the devil has had some really bad days. Don't think he is all powerful. Don't think he can overwhelm you against your will. He's had some really bad days. And perhaps 
the worst day he has ever had up until this point in time, this very moment right now, we can read about in Revelation chapter 12. The devil has had several really bad days. Now, think about this particular text. Revelation chapter 12, beginning with verse 7 to begin with. And I think we're to understand from this general text, beginning with about verse 3 and going down through verse 12, in the 12th chapter of Revelation, I think we're to understand, and I've studied this over and over again and, and pretty carefully, that before God ever created mankind on this earth, there was a rebellion in heaven. There was war in heaven. And so we look with, with verses 7 through 9 first. War broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought but they did not prevail. That is, the dragon and his angels did not win that war. Michael and his angels won. Nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So whoever this dragon was, he was kicked out. Those angels that followed him in this rebellion, trying to usurp God's throne, they were kicked out with him. Now, so the great dragon was cast out. And here we have, I believe, five different references to just who he is. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil, and Satan who deceives the whole world, he was cast out to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. So <clears throat> they lost their rebellion against God the devil trying to usurp God's throne. Now, can you imagine trying to usurp the throne of God? All-powerful, almighty. And, of course, he lost. And he led a bunch of the angels apparently with him, and they, they had to suffer the consequences as well. It appears that that's the way we're to understand it. Now, if we go back to... The third verse of Revelation chapter 12. We look at verses 3 and 4. Another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his heads <clears throat> and his tail. Now we know who that dragon is now because when we looked at verse 9, it identified it as the devil. And so seven diadems on his head. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and drew them to the and, and threw them to the earth. Now the idea of they, he drew the third of the star, of the stars of heaven. The stars, if you go back early in the book of Revelation, they're identified as angels. And so he drew them to himself. In other words, influenced them to follow him. But ultimately, they all got thrown down to, to, to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who is ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. And that's another study a little later. But what do we read here then? <clears throat> so the war in heaven resulted in the devil and his, in his following losing that war. God kicked them out and threw them down to, to earth. So this is where the devil does his work. This is where the devil does what he's, he goes about the work of trying to lead followers of God away from God by luring them into sinfulness. This is his playground. So we need to be on guard. Paul may have been referring to this when we look at 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 6. 
He says, and he's talking about the qualifications of elders and deacons here, and he says, not a novice or a new Christian, brand new Christian, lest being puffed up with pride, he fall into the same condemnation as the devil. Now, of course, it was pride and arrogance on the devil's part that led him to think, much less try to lead a following to overthrow the throne of God in heaven. That's pride and arrogance on his part. And so, and Paul points to that. Not a novice, lest being puffed up with pride and with pride he fall into the same condemnation as the devil. And when we look at Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 18, we understand that this particular warning fits the principle laid out in scripture going all the way back into the Old Testament. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And that's poetry basically, and it's, it's you know, one line simply complements the, the previous line. It's saying the same thing, just in different words. Pride goes before destruction. A haughty spirit, which is pride, goes before a fall. Arrogance is what we're talking about here. Now, talk about a bad day. You talk about a bad day. It, come back to Revelation chapter 12. Let's, let's look at verses 8 and 9. But they did not prevail, nor was there a, f- a place found for them in heaven any longer, indicating, I think we should understand, they must have had a place in heaven at one time. They must have lived in the glories of heaven, that glorious city. The gates of pearl, the golden streets that are unlike any gold we understand in our physical world today because it was transparent. But a place where, when you look at Revelation chapter, chapter 7 and, verse, and also chapter 21, it talks about there's a place where none of the negatives from a physical perspective that we experience here, the sickness, the sorrow, the pain, the suffering, the death, none of that's in heaven. None of that's in heaven. And so that's where they apparently resided for some time back in pre-eternity, but then they lost that position They lost their home because of their pride and arrogance and thought they could somehow take the place of God. And that might sound a little bit like how the devil tempted Eve in the garden in Genesis chapter 3. When he asked her, has the Lord given you the fruit of the trees of the garden to eat? And she said, oh, we can eat the fruit of the trees of the garden except for one tree. The fruit of that tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, we cannot eat that fruit. We cannot touch it. God said, lest we die. And then the devil lied to her. You shall not surely die. And then he deceived her. For God knows that in the day you eat thereof, you shall be like God, knowing good and evil. Well, she would know good and evil because she would have entered into evil by disobeying God. That would have made her a sinner. But see, the devil was trying to deceive her into thinking, you'll be like God. Can you imagine what must have gone through her mind? I'll be like God? And she ate the fruit. And then the devil used her to tempt her husband to eat. And he succumbed as well. And they both became sinners. You read the rest of Genesis chapter 3. Everything changed that day. Their reality was completely different. 
They disobeyed God. And thankfully, because God is a loving God, he predicted, he foretold, he prophesied in the 15th verse of Genesis chapter 3 that he would not let that what the devil had led them into stand, but he would send the Savior into the world. And that Savior would crush the head of the deceiver, Satan. But what a bad day. How could there have been a worse day for the devil to have lost his home in heaven through his pride and arrogance, along with all of those angels who followed him? This could be part of what Jesus was referring to when he said in Luke chapter 10 and verse 18, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. That is an intriguing verse of scripture. I saw the devil fall like lightning from heaven. This world in which we live right now, this is the devil's playground, as I said. Coming back to verse 12 of Revelation chapter 12, therefore rejoice, O heavens, you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the, and the sea, for the devil has come down to you having great wrath. He's angry, in other words. He lost the war. He lost his place in heaven. He was cast out and down to this earth because he knows that he has a short time. And if you read through the rest of the Revelation, it talks about that short time. And ultimately, his final, ultimate, eternal condemnation. No longer being able to wield his influence or his ability to tempt people. <clears throat> Because we're talking about then eternity. He will be in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone. In 1 John chapter 5 and verse 19, John the apostle writes, We know that we are of God and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. Could we possibly look around us today in Omaha, Nebraska, <clears throat> or in the state of Nebraska as a whole, or the United States as a whole, or the world around the globe, could we possibly look around and not see how the devil has corrupted mankind to such an extent? Now, I'm not talking about everybody, but I'm talking about his influence has been so global, so national, so local. I mean, it's just been all over the place. We see evil all around us. And I'm not talking about evil in some kind of, uh, you know, supernatural, willowy, wisting thing, and, you know, just floating through the air. I'm talking about evil in people. We see violence. We see hatred. We see all kinds of crime. We see just all kinds of people who have just followed the lead of the devil. Now, they don't believe that the devil is God. They don't worship the devil. They just follow his lead, and they somehow just don't realize what's happening, how they have given in to his, his lead, his influence, his, uh, his, his temptations. They don't realize that they're living in a way that's going to lead to their eternal destruction, their eternal condemnation in hell. Now, some of them, if you press them, they might say, yeah, I know, I'm just a heathen. But they kind of brush that off. Do you understand what you're saying? 
You need to repent. You need to come to God through Jesus Christ. You need to be baptized for the remission of your sins so that you can be forgiven, redeemed, and saved. And they said, no, I'm just too bad to be good. The scriptures give us all kinds of, of, of stories about people who might have said that, but they learned that God could forgive even them. Saul of Tarsus being one classic example. So it's easy to see that the world is under the sway of the wicked one. Not because he can make people follow him, but because people simply, they give in to those choices. The pleasures of sin for a season, as we read in Hebrews chapter 11. And they don't think about the ultimate long-term consequences. In 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8, we read about when people sin, it is not something that is against their will. They simply give in to the leading of the devil. And sin is instigated by the devil. We make the choice to do that. He who sins is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of Man was manifested. God sent Christ into this world that he might destroy the works of the devil. God sent Christ to that cross to die to pay the price for the guilt of our sins, that we could be forgiven, that we could be redeemed, that we could have a do-over on life from a spiritual perspective, that we could be forgiven and saved and be able to look forward to eternity with him in heaven. In verse 10, in this the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest or made apparent. You can easily distinguish between the two because of the lifestyles they're living. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. Hmm. Now, the devil is is so so far-reaching is his influence within this world that he's referred to actually as the ruler of this world by our Lord himself. When Jesus was going through his public ministry on this earth almost 2,000 years ago, he said, now is the judgment of this world, now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And then we look a little bit further, John chapter 14 and verse 30, Jesus says, I will no longer talk with you much for the ruler of this world is coming and he has nothing in me. And he's using figurative language there to talk about the devil and his influence upon humanity. The devil ultimately would influence those Jewish leaders to have Christ crucified. But that did not stop Jesus being the Savior. That did not stop him from accomplishing what God the Father sent him to this earth to do for humanity. And that is to be our Savior. In Ephesians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul refers to the devil this way. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. He's talking to Christians here in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. Again, descriptive language talking about the devil. Before you became a Christian, you were lost in your sins because you were following the influence of the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. That's the devil. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4, whose mind the God of this age, lowercase g, not to be confused with God the Father, 
But the God of this age has blinded who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. The devil can deceive us if we'll let him. But again, the choice is ours. The choice is ours. Once again, we read verse 12 of Revelation chapter 12. For the devil has come down to you having great wrath because he knows that he has a short time. Now think about that, that great wrath. Boy, that is a powerful word that goes beyond just anger. Why? He lost. He was cast out. He was cast down to the earth. And he only has a short time from an eternal perspective because we know that ultimately this world's going to come to an end. John the Apostle wrote about that in 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. This earth is passing away. This world is passing away. But we're looking toward eternal life as we follow God in faithful obedience consistently. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 6 and verse 23. So if we will come to God through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, repenting of our sins, confessing our faith in him as our Savior and God's Son, and be baptized, buried in the waters of baptism, the blood that he shed on the cross for us on our behalf is still powerful all-powerful to cleanse us of the guilt of our sins. But the devil is out there trying to keep us away from doing that. Or if we have already surrendered to our Lord and Savior, he's out there trying to pull us away from faithfulness to God through Christ. His power is limited by God. The devil knows he has only a short time and he's angry. Perhaps the worst day the devil has ever had up until this very point in time, right now, as we are here today, was that day that he was cast out from the presence of God, cast out of heaven. But we not, must not be complacent. We say, well, God defeated him. But he still has power. He still has opportunity. And he's angry. So we must not be complacent. We don't, we don't need to be careless at all. In Luke 22 and verse 31, the Lord said, now this is Jesus speaking to, to Peter. Shortly before Jesus would be crucified on the cross, he said, Simon, Simon. Now we think about Peter. He was kind of what appears to be something of a, an inner circle among the original 12 apostles. Seemed to be a little closer to Jesus than, than some of the others. Doesn't mean he was superior, but he seemed to just have a little closer relationship. And so Jesus said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. Jesus is warning Peter, the devil wants you. He wants to work you over. And then Jesus goes on and encourages him to stay faithful. But, the but, but Peter did give in for a little bit of time, a few hours perhaps, that very night. But ultimately, 
he realized his mistake, repented and came back to the Lord seeking forgiveness. The devil is our mortal enemy, as we said, 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. But again, he's angry. He's only got a short time. God has only allowed him a short time to do the work of trying to lead us away from forgiveness and salvation in Christ. And so he's about his work every day. He's determined in his work, having suffered defeat and expulsion from heaven on probably his worst day ever. So when we think about the devil, don't think he's all powerful. Don't think he can make you sin. He can make you walk away from God. Don't think he, ha he can make you live in a lifestyle that is unrighteous, that is ungodly, maybe immoral in different ways. He can't make you do anything unless you let him. He's already had a whole bunch of bad days. And this one that we're talking about up until this point in time was probably the very worst day the devil had ever had. If you need to come to your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ this morning, repenting of your sins, surrendering to him in baptism, we encourage you to take that step. Maybe you need to study some more about it. Just ask us, please. We'll make the way to study with you or make the way for you to study on your own. Maybe you've become a Christian, but you have slipped away. You've, you've let the devil have his way with you, influence you too much. Come back to your Lord in repentance and prayer, asking for forgiveness. And we'd love to pray with you and for you this very morning. If you need to come, won't you come right now as we stand together and sing?